0: history in our history
1: i'm ready man this was all good right. i know I'm this is good too.
0: all right hey everyone Thank you for listening to the Mystery in Our History podcast, where we take an in-depth look at all things urban legend and conspiracy theory related and how they came to be. I'm J.R. Supa, and joining me as always is Chris Berry.
1: How are you lovely people?
0: (laughs) So on this episode, we are going to continue our journey into the world of alien lore with stories of alien encounters from around the world, the most famous of which is the Rendlesham Forest incident that took place in the UK, but first we're going to cover a couple of quickies. So the first thing we're going to go over is the 1976 uh, Drekmont Forest Abduction in where Robert Taylor, a 61-year-old forester in Drek- uh, Drekmont Woods in Scotland, had an encounter with a UFO on November 9, 1979. The object appeared to be hovering just above the forest floor. It made no sound and seemed to be completely motionless. And Taylor claims he experienced a foul odor like burning brakes and that smaller spheres similar to sea mines had seized him and were dragging him in the direction of the larger object when he lost consciousness consciousness there we go stuttering again Uh oh i was doing so well (laughs) according to taylor he later awoke and the objects were gone but he could not start his truck so he walked back to his home in livingston he tried to report the incident but due to his injuries the police recorded the matter as a common assault
1: it's funny too cuz when i was uh, when i was looking this up um, it's it's record it's one of the only incidents that's uh, actually promoted as and i quote the only example of an alien sighting becoming the subject of a criminal investigation cuz he came back you know right. with wounds
0: yeah he was all he was all cut up and it was and way jacked. disheveled <laughs> <laughs> all right so the next one we want to go over is the 1993 uh kelly cahill i think it's cahill i think it's cahill too yeah i mean it's 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 c-a-h-i-l-l so i'm going with cahill yeah all right in august of 1993 kelly cahill her husband and three children were driving home after a visit to a friend's house on their drive home through the dandenong foothills i sure that's not how you pronounce it near victoria exactly the didgeridoo (laughs) foothills near victoria australia they came upon a light so bright that they were practically blinded when the lights died down they saw a craft that disappeared as quickly as it had appeared kelly then suddenly became calm and smelled a foul odor and shortly after realized about an hour had passed so real quick, I just want to I just want to interject here. It's not at all related. But did you
1: did you hear about the uh, the gay porn that got in trouble for the use of a didgeridoo in the anus? No. And the line I'm gonna didgeridoo you in the ass. No. That's legit. Like they got in like some serious trouble for that shit. But anyway, <laughs> that, way off subject. Completely. But still funny.
0: <laughs> all right. Um. But j- quick side note. Like this is two in a you know two separate occasions in two completely different parts of the world. Two different continents. Where the odor is something. Yeah. Yep. They smell something foul. Yeah. So when she got home, Kelly realized that she had a triangular mark on her navel. Kelly suffered from general uh, malaise for the next week or two and was taken to the hospital on two separate occasions, one for severe stomach pain and another for a uterine infection. Now, as time passed, she began to recall that the family actually pulled over to investigate the craft and that under the craft was a group of aliens that, in Kelly's words, were, quote, void of color, end quote, yet its shape was clearly discernible. The black alien entity was taller than an average man, about seven feet in height, according to Kelly and its eyes were large like a fly's and glowing red. After being mesmerized by the sight of the being, she saw more of them, heaps of them, quote, unquote, is how Kelly described them, and she stared into the, o- uh, I'm sorry, as she stared into the open field.
1: Yeah, and uh, I was also reading that the, the aliens were out there in the field but ben- beneath the flying craft, and uh, the, be- the beings seemed to, congregate in like small groups and one group actually glided towards Kelly and her husband covering hundreds of yards in a mere few seconds which
0: that's is just
1: scary scary yeah. stuff
0: so those are two very quick incidents um, first hand accounts obviously and on two completely different continents right one's in Scotland one's in Australia so you know just so that because we've been focusing primarily on the United States, right? Right. So it needs to be said, like, this is stuff that's all happening. Obviously, ancient aliens, we covered, you know, stuff all over the globe, right? Stuff in Greece and stuff in in Latin America and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, these alien encounters are not just happening in the United States, right? They're happening all over the place. So um, we wanted to cover those two. But the meat and potatoes of this... Uh, particular episode is going to be the Rendlesham Forest incident. Um, One of my favorite alien encounter stories, um, like of all time, I'm I'm more into this than I am um, Roswell.
1: Yeah, I have to say after uh, checking out this story, I got to say me too. Um, It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And um, so let's get started. And we'll we'll take you on a journey. (laughs) So, also known as British Waswell, the Rendlesham Forest incident is undoubtedly one of the best documented and most significant military encounters with a craft of unknown origin ever. It is also a case that involved very credible witnesses, a.k.a. trained USAF, United States Air Force observers and security police.
1: Dude, my body is so ready for this. And, like, to my shame, I haven't really looked into this, so I'm, like, really eager to learn more here. Yeah. Um, Because this is, when I sent
0: you the outline, that was essentially the first you've ever heard of this.
1: Basically, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I need to know, though, however, like, Area 51, is this all alleged?
0: (laughs) So, we are going to throw out a disclaimer that this all allegedly happened. Okay, but at the same time, there are documents of the witness accounts from these people, so we'll go with alleged, but <laughs> there's a lot of people that are there that were there and are saying it happened, so kind
1: of like area fifty one there's <sighs> the proofs in the pudding, but it's all alleged because the government says so right,
0: and we'll we'll <laughs> get more into why it's really hard to. To say that it's alleged, but we have to. Um, so, in 1980, the British government, led by Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher, had agreed to let the United States increase its military presence in the UK. And unknown to most of the British public, many of the big U.S. Air Force bases contained stockpiles of nuclear weapons. One of these bases was the Joint Royal Air Force (USAF) Air Base at Woodbridge and Bentwaters, located near the town of Ipswich in northeast England. Rendlesham Forest divided the two bases. And it was here in the late evening and early morning of December 26 and 27 in 1980 that this extraordinary series of events began to unfold.
1: Now that's just like classic USA right there. Like, why even invade any country when you could just dump your your bases in there and just be like, hey it's easier to evade when the time comes because, I mean, we're already there, so...
0: (laughs) Jeez. Just in case. (laughs) You are such a fucking conspiracy theorist. It's unbelievable. (laughs) Anyway. Although many military and civilian witnesses reported UFO activity over the twin bases during the days between December 25th and December 28th, including the base deputy commander, Colonel Charles Halt, it is the testimony of the three men who initially went into Rendlesham Forest to investigate reports of the strange lights that proves to be the most dramatic. Dramatic because not only did one of these men claim to see a landed UFO, he actually claims to have touched it. And there is even the more controversial possibility that he interacted with an intelligence of unknown origin, possibly not from this world.
1: That's crazy, man. I, I wonder what he means when he says that. Like, did he interact with like a cosmic or maybe psychic voice at that point? Was there no body that he could foresee to the intelligence? Like, so many questions, I'm, and I'm, I'm just all ears. I'm
0: hung up on the fact that he touched it. He says that he touched whatever it was.
1: Yeah. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Staff Sergeant Jim Peniston, my personal hero. staff sergeant jim penniston the on-duty flight chief for the woodbridge base was enjoying a midnight snack when he received a call from the security center telling him airman first class uh, cabin sag i I, I hate these names (laughs) airman first class cabin sag was on his way to collect him he was then instructed to meet up with two of the base's military police, Staff Sergeant Bud Steffens and Airman First Class John Burroughs. When they met, Steffens and Burroughs told them they had seen some strange lights over the forest and that there may be a problem. Thinking that the men may have seen a downed aircraft, Penniston told Burroughs that they should go and investigate. Penniston was shocked when he heard Steffens insist that it couldn't have been a crash because he had already seen the strange light actually land. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so I, w- I was wondering what Penniston was was snacking on for midnight, and I just I just was just like it's probably just midnight tea. You know how <laughs> they are. It's, it's a midnight. It's just crumpets. Yeah, a midnight spotted tea and some crumpets. No, but uh, so I just want to clear up. It was it was Steffens. He was the guy that saw the craft,
0: right? So yes, Steffens is the one that claimed to have seen the craft over the forest and seen it land. But gotcha. Penniston was the one that's like, we got to go check it out.
1: We gotta check. It could be out. a crashed yeah.
0: aircraft, and then Steffens is like, "No, no, nothing crashed. I watched it land." So Steffens had been so shaken by what he had seen, he refused to join the patrol and investigate. So Peniston, accompanied by Cavanzag and Burrows, then jumped into a vehicle and drove into the forest. There, they saw a bright light shining through the trees, and due to difficult terrain. They abandoned their vehicles and proceeded on foot. As they approached the light, they began experiencing problems with their radios. Like, red flag, guys. Yeah. Penniston then ordered ab- Cabin SAG to stay back in behind the vehicle and act as a communications relay between them and the security control center.
1: Dude, now I know for a fact. Like, when I'm in my car and, like, engines die, radio's not going anymore, and it's just, like, creepy remote, no one's around aliens dude i'm not even gonna chalk it up yeah. to a dead battery anymore like aliens
0: i'm just happy they told casablanca to stay by the ban, so that i don't have to try and pronounce his name anymore
1: yeah right exactly <laughs> get the hell out of my story jesus christ <laughs> sucks
0: for no other reason than having a name i can't pronounce
1: yeah Absolutely. Anywho, <laughs> as,
0: as they walk deeper into the forest Peniston noted with anxiety that all the animals and birds appeared to be in a terrible frenzy. He also noted that radio communication with Casablanca, although still close by, had deteriorated. He ordered Burroughs to move back to the tree line and act as a relay, but Burroughs had now become so frightened he failed to acknowledge the order, and resultantly, all radio contact with the base was lost. The two men were now on their own
1: uh dude that is like that is just absolute no good like you never want to be on your own when you're dealing with something like this like I- i'm thinking if this is me right i'm in out in the woods mm-hmm. i'm calling up everyone i know i'm like all right get over here i need strength in numbers i need as many people i'm gonna overwhelm this son of a bitch yeah but honestly it's just like i doubt it would matter because they're so advanced like would would all the humans just be frenzied in the in the in the woods just like yeah. the animals? I don't know. Like,
0: also, eh- on a side note, I have to apologize to everyone listening because uh, I can't friggin' speak today. So <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think it's the White Claw that I'm drinking. <laughs> <laughs> a little clam over there. Oh, yeah, little uh, little White Claw actions got me feeling a little loose in lips, and I'm having a problem pronouncing words. Is this sponsored? No, but please, White Claw, we would love for you to get sponsor Get at us. us. Yeah, get at us. Up.
1: Also, real quick, alien crowd control sounds overkill. So, like, yeah. no wonder, like, the government or, like, the powers that be don't want us with this technology. Like, mm-hmm. that is insane. Serious.
0: All right. When Penniston got to a distance of 50 meters, he could make out a metallic-type object some kind of craft, but unlike any he had ever seen in his seven years in the Air Force, as he moved closer, he discovered that the air seemed to be charged with a static electricity, causing the air, the hair, to stand on end.
1: I wonder I wonder if that's like a result of like the craft itself like drawing energy out of um out of the air. Like, Probably. like almost like a Tesla like a mini Tesla arc in there mm-hmm. or something that's just refueling by sitting well yeah because and
0: like what we discussed in um the roswell incident too was like all of the interference and everything that was taking place with all of these different interactions yeah it's always it always has something to do it always comes back to like the lights going out one way or another
1: yeah exactly some sort of electrical interference yeah
0: right so as he closed to within 20 meters of the object he noticed that the animals had scattered and the area was now completely quiet as he got closer he could see the object in more detail he described seeing a shiny black triangular shaped craft three meters in width and two high the surface was smooth almost glass-like he later said it was about the size of a tank white light was emitting from both the top and bottom of the craft Red and blue lights flashed alternatively on either side. All right, man. So first off, this
1: meter talk. I need imperial system measurements. All <laughs> right, I'm too American and too uneducated to understand what meters look like. So I'm gonna need the use of like the metric system to stop here. I'm sorry. No offense to, to anyone overseas, but uh, <laughs> listen, I just our school system's not that good anymore. It's not. So you know but you're like gonna have to give me a. Exactly. I need the good old-fashioned yard or something. You know All what right. I mean?
0: So anyway, at first when he saw it, it was a little less than a football field. And now it's about a little less than half a football field.
1: <laughs> that I can imagine. Thank okay. you. See, football, football field afraid. measurements. Nothing Listen, gets more If you ever American have a confused map. American on your hand, just explain things in football fields. We'll get it. <laughs> we might slam a beer can on our head, but we'll get it.
0: And that's football, not <laughs> football, because that's totally different measurements.
1: Yeah. You don't actually play it with your foot right um, second off uh, and, and more on topic <laughs> this is a triangular craft um, and that intrigues me because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm familiar personally with three different shapes of UFOs that are very common the the typical saucer which we all know what looks like right um, and then the second one I've seen uh, we've seen and talked about it in God's year 2019 this year. The cigar shaped UFO. That's mm. the one that's like in the news constantly. And like we're talking about that openly now, suddenly. And it's great. Yeah. And then lastly, and honestly, one of the least common ones that I've seen is the triangular shaped one. But yeah. it's not that uncommon because it's, it's, it still gets lumped in there quite often. Right. Well,
0: and that's the triangular shaped one is the one that's really used for, um, like, it's what they use in like star wars right that's the mm-hmm. the big battleships and and you know so those that's that like triangular based, but then they also like in more uFO terms um it's often depicted that like superman's um craft that he came here with was like a little triangular uFO yep so it's it's used but it's definitely not like as common as you know the the saucer one
1: yo speaking of Superman. Have you seen ads for that movie that's like basically they find a Superman in their backyard? But it turns out he's what if like, Superman bemented. was evil. Yeah. Yes. It's it's a Dude, whole new genre. Cool.
0: It's called um it's called superhero horror or something like that. It looks yeah, it looks really cool. I, I'm very excited neat. to see it. Cool concept. Yeah. Alright. Back on topic. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so Penniston takes out a camera and begins photographing the object. He shot the entire roll and then moved closer so he could circle around the back of it. He was amazed to see no visible means of propulsion nor were there any signs or obvious signs of conventional manufacture. No seams, no rivets. Which is very common in, like we said, in all of the UFOs uh, that it's we've not seen man before. Made. Right, exactly. And in um, Roswell too. Mm-hmm. So by now, And in complete awe of what this object might be, he courageously places his hand on its surface, which he said felt warm despite the freezing night of the English winter. Sliding his hand over the smooth exterior, he discovered a series of raised symbols etched into its left-hand side. The symbols, which he later drew, were about three inches high and covered the area of about three feet in diameter. Um,
1: Now we're talking feet, inches. You got me.
0: You're <laughs> such an ass. Dude. Yeah, oh, look, a UFO. I'm going to touch it.
1: Yeah, balls of steel on that dude, right? <sighs> the guy going up to this, this object, he has no idea what it is. Now I'm just throw my I'm hands gonna touch on it. it.
0: I'm going to touch yep. it. What's the worst that could happen?
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Not death. Not that. No, that's definitely not it. <laughs> Psycho. Right. All right.
0: When Sergeant Peniston put his hand on the etched symbols, which felt like sandpaper compared to the rest of the smooth molded surface, everything became a brilliant white light. This mofo activated (laughs) a UFO, or at least scared whoever was in it. He could neither see nor hear. He was alone in a brilliant bright white light. This occurred for an undetermined amount of time, and then his sight returned. He was standing next to the craft, facing the pictorial glyphs. The craft started to turn a vivid bright white color again, so bright, in fact, Sergeant Penniston thought it was going to explode. He took a defensive position nearby as the craft was engulfed in the light. The craft then lifted off approximately four feet from the ground, maneuvered between the trees, ascended to treetop level, and disappeared in the blink of an eye
1: literally moving at the speed of light. That's crazy. Absolutely insane.
0: F that noise.
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> That's Just all I can dr- say. Shit and bricks at that point. Right.
0: Oh, yeah, I touched it and I can't see. Yep. Oh, now it's going to explode. <laughs> he stated he could see no occupants, but sensed there were some sort of life presence inside. He was absolutely certain it was under intelligent control. <laughs>
1: duh (laughs) yeah well that's what i was like i was like i don't recall mention of a clear surface to see through i don't think ufos need windshields to see in space so obviously something's inside control and it's sergeant steel nuts now going to be sergeant numb nuts in a second
0: (laughs) if there's a machine of any kind
1: something's operating (laughs) and it and it
0: gets up and flies away some level of intelligence has to be operating the machine. Yeah,
1: whether it's in the machine itself, like the machine is sentient and, and Or even if and it's a moved. drone. Yeah, something's controlling it. Right. right. Something intelligence, yeah, come on.
0: It, come on. I, he, was, he was my hero. Sergeant Unnuts. He was M- short-lived, but he was my hero.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: After returning to the base and reporting what they had saw, the men were debriefed and told to forget they had ever seen anything. Realizing immediately that officials would try to whitewash the incident, Penniston and Burroughs decided to return to the landing site shortly after they were debriefed. They located the area and found broken branches scattered everywhere. They also found three indentations in the ground where the UFO had been resting.
1: Well, I mean, it's a good thing he had the camera, you know? So, I mean, it's just like, what happened to the camera? But I I figure that's probably going to come into play later.
0: There's, yeah, it, well, <laughs>
1: just wait. Yeah, yeah.
0: So knowing he would need some physical evidence of his encounter, Pennison returned to the landing site the following day and made plaster casts of the indentations. Once back in his room, Jim was, quote, seeing, end quote, ones and zeros in his mind's eye. Troubled by the revolving flashing images of ones and zeros he received from touching the glyphs, He felt compelled to write them down in a notebook. Jim records the ones and zeros in his notebook, and upon completing the transfer to the notebook paper, the image in his mind disappears. So Jim puts the notebook away with his belongings and doesn't think too much about it again. Now on a side note, in 2010 during a casual conversation with a researcher, Jim mentions the codes and displays the notebook. And the researcher immediately recognizes it as ones and zeros as binary code and sets out to help Jim decipher it. But I couldn't find more on this with my research.
1: That's odd. That's odd that you couldn't find more on it. Also, smart move to transfer it to paper. Um, And it it is odd that there's not more on this. I wonder what the binary code was trying to tell uh,
0: Jimbo there. Um, I mean, I might have just not dived deep enough into it to be honest but uh, it was it's an interesting side note and if we can find more on this we will do um a little bonus episode with just a quick explanation of what it is
1: i wonder if it was like instructions for like intergalactic travel or if it was just like uh grandma martian's uh special soup intergalactic soup (laughs) it's just something absolutely bonkers
0: just completely useless to us in any way shape or form you right. need to take the Flick Flag and the Gleep Glorp and you put it... <laughs> and
1: you mash them together. <laughs> Let it boil. <laughs> My lord. That so stupid.
0: All right. When members of British military intelligence later investigated the site, they discovered radiation readings that were ten times higher than normal around the indentations where the spacecraft had been sitting in the ground. This was revealed after the British Ministry of Defense, M.O.D., released previously classified documents about the case in 2001. This had been done after Admiral Lord Hill Norton, the former British Chief of Defense Staff, has repeatedly applied pressure on the government to do so. What a great name.
1: Man, the British sometimes. It's just like, you're already Admiral. Do you have to be a Lord, too? Like, for fuck's sake. Absolutely, you have to be a Lord, too. (laughs) admiral lord norton <laughs> like god damn it what the fuck anyway but uh, yeah so something interesting his that first you mentioned. name is
0: just lord the oh middle name god. is hill
1: wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> i'm gonna change my first name to lord <laughs>
0: Prin- princess consuela banana hammock
1: <laughs> what the?
0: that's a that's a friend's reference for anyone out there oh i love it Not understanding but, uh, what i just said
1: <laughs> But what you mentioned there about radiation in space, um, they always mm-hmm. seem to be linked together, and I never actually thought to look into the connection. Now I know the um, uh, God, what's it called? The Allen Belt? Is that what it's called? The what's uh, what's surrounding the uh, Earth there that we can't get through oh, now because we lost the technology? But basically, there's a radiation belt around the Earth, and that's why we haven't gone back to the Moon because we can't figure out how to get through it. But we we did it. What fucking 50 years 1969. ago.
0: 1969. Yeah, horseshit. Um, well, that's another episode. Yeah, we're, All right. We're going to cover that, don't worry. I'll look into yeah. it, folks. That's a whole uh, lot I'll look of into nonsense. that radiation. Anywho, <clears throat> <laughs> Penniston was so shaken by his encounter with the UFO that he, along with Burroughs, were granted a 60-day leave. Later, he stated, quote, After that craft took off, I was in no doubt. I realized that it was 100% certain. That we are a part of a larger community beyond the confines of this planet. End quote
1: <laughs> I read that, and I was just like, what the fuck, larger community? Like who's who's we? What what are you talking about? Like are are you the army part of the community? Like this the intergalactic community now? Like It's just a weird quote, I thought.
0: I mean, essentially, he's just saying, like, we're not alone in the universe. Right. It's a weird way to say it, but, yeah, he's just saying we're not alone in the universe. Yeah,
1: just a weird roundabout way of saying it.
0: Now, however, this remarkable encounter was not the end of the Rendlesham incident. Another close encounter was to follow, and this time it involved the base deputy commander.
1: Hell, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Give me more of that, baby. I'm ready for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so now we get into Colonel Halt's UFO encounter and the Halt Memorandum. The Halt Memorandum, in which the base deputy commander describes not only Penniston's UFO encounter, but also his own, was written at the request of the British base commander, Squadron Leader Donald Morland. The memorandum was written to the MOD and was supposed to remain classified However, through a curi- a curious oh, there I go again through a curious twist of fate. In later, it later surfaced after an American organization called Citizens Against UFO Secrecy or CAUSE obtained it using the Freedom of Information Act. So suck it Absolutely. in 1983.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, suck it.
0: The reason the memo is so important is it provides official confirmation that the UFO event did happen at Rendlesham Forest despite official denials both from the USAF and the MOD, which is why in the beginning of this episode when we were talking about allegedly versus it happened, eh? (laughs) Yeah, that's why it's whack.
1: It's absolutely whack. All right. So, like... Also, good job on using democracy to get your documents declassified. Like that's pretty, that's pretty killer. I like that. Right. Um, that like almost never happens. And in fact, the U.S. is supposed to declassify documents after fifty years. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a big deal when it came to the JFK assassination, uh, because supposed it was supposed to come out in two thousand thirteen, but large portions remained
0: redacted. Completely redacted.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Also, I found out looking into this that after seventy five years. You need special permission to keep things classified that huh. long. So you actually have to go through channels to actually keep stuff hidden, buried, um, which I thought was interesting. That is uh, Well, I mean, That's pretty you cool. know, the government an- answers to themselves, so I doubt that yeah. really.
0: Who, yeah, who's, who's asking for approval? Who's granting yeah. approval?
1: Oh, you need yeah, approval? They... There's your stamp. Yep. <laughs> uh, I need <laughs> approval to keep this classified and yeah. good to go. <laughs> Jeez. Exactly.
0: Okay, so, Colonel Halt was away from the base on Christmas Day, so he did not hear about the UFO landing in Rendlesham Forest until December 26th. On I almost choked and died. Oh. On being informed about the incident, he summoned Airman First Class Casablanca Your into favorite. his office and asked him to describe what had happened. The following day, Halt was attending a party when an officer informed him Quote, the ufo is back end quote halt was then instructed to assemble i'm sorry halt then instructed to assemble a patrol and investigate the incident with the express aim of debunking the whole issue the officers were worried the whole thing was getting out of hand
1: <laughs> that statement kills me dude if i had a ufo parked in my backyard like in the woods back where i live this lived, is
0: getting out of hand
1: yeah I don't think I would say, oh, uh, that UFO's getting out of hand. Like, understatement of the year. Right? Jesus.
0: <laughs> so with a team of men, he entered the forest. He discovered numerous personnel and vehicles already there. Men ran all over the place as both vehicles and lighting equipment were malfunctioning. Shocker. Yeah. He then took his patrol to the original landing site and shortly after this, spotted a glowing red object moving through the forest. During much of the entire time, Halt had activated a mini tape recorder so an audio record could be made. This tape was later released to the public. It makes for riveting listening. On it, you can hear Halt and his men getting closer to the UFO. Quote, there's no doubt about it, there's some type of strange flashing red light ahead. End quote, he states on the tape. Then his voice gets extremely excited as he said, quote, It's coming this way. It's definitely coming this way. Pieces of it are shooting off. There's no doubt about it. This is weird. End quote. Halt described the object as circular, like a large eye winking at him. Later in the tape, he states, quote, He's heading toward us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming to the ground. This is unreal. End quote.
1: Holy Christ, that's chilling. Mm-hmm. Wow, dude. Like... Yeah, no, you got my full attention. Like, please, keep going. This is getting good.
0: It's awesome. The group watched as another object came in at enormous speed and then stopped, hovered over them, and sent a laser-like beam down to the ground only a few feet from their location. The UFO then moved over the weapon storage area and continued firing beams of light into the storage bunkers. Colonel Halt confined by security oaths has refused to confirm whether this area contained nuclear weapons but it is almost certain given the front line function of the base at the time that it did wow additionally given the documented uh, interest of UFOs in nuclear installations especially nuclear weapons some researchers have speculated this was an attempt to probe or even tamper with the nuclear weapons on the base
1: wow wow and it's funny because this goes hand in hand with what I said either last episode or the one before I don't really recall um, that we were, we were trying to launch a nuke into yep. space I actually looked into that it was a White Sands Missile Range facility in New Mexico um, where the world's first atomic bomb Trinity was tested on July 16th 1945 okay. a former Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell during an interview has said that White Sands was a testing ground for atomic weapons and that's what the extraterrestrials were interested in. He said they wanted to know about our military capabilities. My own experience talking to people has made it clear that ETs have been attempting to keep us from going to war and help create peace on Earth. He went on to say that uh, an unnamed Air Force uh, um, official or an officer, I guess, when uh, had on. told him, yeah, uh, had told him that their missiles were frequently disabled or shot down by UFOs flying overhead. So, so I mean, make make what you will of that, but I mean, that's coming right from an Apollo fourteen yeah. o- astronaut. Make uh, peace, war, li- man. Why would he lie about something like that? You know what I mean?
0: <clears throat> that's nuts. It's absolutely, absolutely nuts. The memorandum. ...that Halt later wrote describes his encounter, the Penniston encounter of the previous day, and a description of the three indentations and the fact that the area had been checked and found to be radioactive.
1: Wow. Wow, it's
0: starting to come full circle here. Yep. Wow, holy shit. After the memorandum was obtained by UFO researchers, Halt was reluctantly propelled into the public domain and has been a focus of much media attention ever since. He later confided that he didn't think the public was entirely ready to know all the facts about the case. He stated that if the public were to be made fully aware of what happened during the Rendlesham incident, he would it would completely change the way people look at reality and the nature of the universe. It's
1: wild. Again, everyone that has a first-hand experience this, this close with an ET says that. And it just really makes you wonder, what... What's the truth of life here? Like, yeah. what what are we missing?
0: It's like, even what your main man Bob Lazar says.
1: Uh, don't get me started on Lazar. What does Lazar say? Nothing. I'm just kidding. I just wanted to see you get flustered. <laughs> You're doing it. You know. <laughs> Dude, I I feel like they know the the like the the mystery of life, the meaning of life. Like I do have I the ju- key or think, something.
0: I think they were part of something that change the way they look at things, and I think it's the same thing as, like, if any of us knew what really happened, it would be detrimental to society. Like, everything we know would change, and I think it's, it's a capitalistic thing, is, like... You know what I mean? If we knew half the stuff, what happens if all of that stuff leads to like oil just not being a necessity in any way, shape, or form overnight? Instead of like this whole you know drive an electric car kind of thing that's happening now, and you know it's it's a trend definitely, and it's in a trend in a good direction, but like oil still runs the world, right? No, and like you're not for wrong. them, and for them to just like have nothing would it could collapse society as we know it from a from a capitalist standpoint but what are the other detrimental facts you know what i mean
1: right right we don't need religion or we don't need this we don't need that it it, it, yeah it's it's a
0: slippery slope and and it's tough so after the memorandum we got that as a result of the halt memorandum the british ministry of defense began their own investigation into the incident This was confirmed when some of their secret files were released to Admiral Lord Hill Norton in 2001. Interestingly, the files also revealed the involvement of Lieutenant General Charles A. Gabriel, who was then the Supreme Commander of the USAF in Europe. Which I feel like, is Supreme Commander a thing anymore? Or is that just like a, I don't know. Anyway, off topic. Yeah, I have no idea. The file shows that Gabriel arrived at the Wood. Woodbridge base shortly after the incident and was handed, quote, taped evidence, end quote. Mm. Georgina Bruni speculates that this evidence would most likely have been photographs of the landed UFO and possibly radar recordings. Nice. So why, tell me why, would the Supreme Commander of the United States Air Force, in Europe, visit the Woodbridge base shortly after the UFO incident unless it was directly connected to the close encounter incident.
1: Yeah, because they're all shady cocks when it comes to this stuff. You gotta, Precisely. You gotta, yeah, they got to keep the boot on the neck when it comes mm-hmm. to this stuff.
0: Like, Which brings us to denial, not just a river in Egypt, and cover-ups. <laughs> <laughs> The MOD responded with the usual denials and claimed that the event posed no defence significance. "Quote unquote." Either they're all crazy, or they're all, or they all actually saw what they saw. Either way, they're on a nuclear base.
1: Yeah, like bullshit, dude. Like no defence <laughs> significance. Like for an unknown f- objects shooting beams into weapon lockers is absolutely a defence significance. Right. You the, jackass.
0: The fact of the matter is that either it happened which is a defense significance right. or the people running a nuclear base are all insane and saw crazy. something that didn't happen at which point significance <laughs> yeah huge significance <laughs> jesus so despite the unearthing of the halt memo The U.S. military did everything it could to ensure the story remained a secret. Go figure. When Penniston tried to recover the photographs he took from the craft from the base, Photo Lab, he was told he couldn't because the film was supposedly fogged and therefore useless. Penniston doubts this and believes his pictures were inevitably confiscated.
1: Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt in my mind somebody just yoinked them. 100% confiscated.
0: So yeah, we, came, there's, we came full circle on the, on the pictures.
1: Oh, that's bullshit, dude. That's such a waste and a shame.
0: Mm-hmm. But also one of the three plaster casts he made of the landing site disappeared whilst being shipped by the military. Must have oh. fallen off the back of a truck.
1: Yeah, or so they say. Yeah, he <laughs> managed
0: to keep the other two. And Long after the event, when he had moved back to America, he discovered a bug in his house. And not, like, a spider, but, like, a listening device. (laughs) He also received threatening (laughs) phone calls and discovered that his mail was frequently tampered with.
1: That shouldn't have been as funny as it is. (laughs) 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 That joke was so stupid and lowbrow that it was hilarious. And not just a cockroach in the kitchen, an actual (laughs) listening device. Holy shit. But, like, seriously. You're so welcome. (laughs) But, like, what the hell, dude? It's just, like time to move, time to change my identity, like, time to yep, just live off-grid I... now. Yep.
0: Oh. A far more sinister turn of events happened when Peniston was interviewed by the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, or AFOSI, shortly after his encounter. AFOSI is a branch of military intelligence tasked with security issues within the Air Force. And the AFOSI agents asked Penitent, sorry, Peniston. if they could inject him with the truth drug, sodium pentanol, in order to help extract information about his encounter. He reluctantly agreed on the condition that after his interrogation, they would leave him be. He has stated that this experience disturbed him so much that he subsequently suffered from nightmares and was later diagnosed with PTSD.
1: That's crazy, dude. I, I, I get the feeling that this is, like, one of those, like, black budget operations of our of our government. A and like they're Yeah. And, like, dude, they're just the worst. It's like, how is any of it at all even close to legal? It's like, mm-hmm. the branches that oversee themselves just really need to go. Like, Yeah,
0: I mean, <sighs> I get it. Like, okay, so this guy's either crazy or he's not crazy. But if they inject him with the truth drug, like, the first thing they can ask him is, are you full of shit? And if he says no, then okay. So what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? Let's Mm -hmm. dive right into this. So I I get it, but like, come on, dude.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: So well, down the road in 1994, Penniston agreed to undergo hypnosis with a professional (sighs) hypnotherapist as a way to deal with the trauma. Now this is this is him, like. So this. Oh, he agreed. Okay, yeah, he agreed. Like this wasn't like. More military stuff. This is him just saying, like, I'm going to undergo uh, hypnosis with a professional. Okay. Thank you. So the session was videotaped, and a transcript of the session ended up in the public domain. In this session, Peniston explains that the two Afosi agents were replaced with an American from the State Department and an Englishman from the British equivalent. They questioned him repeatedly about the structure of the craft and the details of the symbols he saw— and they concluded that they knew exactly what he had seen and the only real issue was how to contain the story
1: Jesus dude and
0: the, we've gotten like this is another like hypnots you know what i mean hypnosis yep. thing where like yep. all this stuff is now coming out
1: that's crazy oh.
0: uh, it's just thugs again just the
1: only way to explain these guys are thugs also for anyone out there listening and is interested just look into the state department and mm-hmm. you will be so disgusted with what that fucking department does. It is, like, the center of our weird government bullshit. Like, if it's not the CIA, it's the State Department. Always. (laughs) Always, dude. Like, it's it's no joke. Yeah. They're shady. (laughs) (laughs) They gotta go. They can't get them out of here. Sneaky snakes.
0: All right. When the two men asked Penniston if if there were any beings present, Penniston made reference to... The visitors, quote unquote. When questioned about the identity of the visitors, Penniston made the astonishing statement that they were time travelers from the future. These were not extraterrestrial visitors, but were, he claimed, us from the future. He then went on to explain that the agenda of these time travelers was to collect genetic material. He stated that the visitors had some kind of severe problem reproducing their species and would die out if they could not extract human genetic material. Remember, we very, very briefly touched about this on ancient alien or just alien theories, not ancient alien theories, but alien theories of like you have the greys, you have, you know, um, lizard guys, but Mm -hmm. this is also what sparked that other theory that it's just time travelers.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and also, it's just, it's also just, what the absolute hell? Yeah, that too. Because it makes you wonder, it's just like, is there a shred of truth behind this, what they're saying? Or is it just like an elaborate ruse just to get misinformation out there? Like, its
0: you can't prove it one way or the other. When I read that line in my mind, all I heard was, like, (laughs) (laughs) what a (laughs) twist! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like... M9 Shyamalan, right? Exactly. Like I, oh my god, Jesus. like didn't see that one coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that is the Rendlesham incident.
1: That's wild. That was that was great.
0: You know, and and granted, we plowed through it, and there's way more information about so it, much And boring. way more details out there. But that is the most significant. Alien encounter outside of the United States. Now, the last thing we're going to cover is the 1987, um, and I'm no way I get this correctly. I believe it's pronounced Ilkley Moore Alien. The Ilkley Moore Alien. A policeman named Philip Spencer claims to have taken a picture of an alien being. If this is true, It is one of only a few in existence. The scary Ilkley Moor in Yorkshire, England would hold the secret of the strange creature encountered one early morning. Godfrey was frightened but ran after the creature taking one photograph. Through hypnosis, he again hypnosis, he would recall an odd flying object and an alien abduction. And we are going to revisit this particular incident in more detail on the next episode as it involves our wonderful mascot, the Men in Black.
1: Oh, nice, nice. And, guys, you're really going to want to tune into this next one because JR has got special guests Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones on our next episode, so you're not going to want to miss this, guys.
0: Okay, so for starters, um, neither of them (laughs) are going to be joining us on the next episode, so let's just put that out there right now. Number Uh, two, this is not your movie... Men in Black. Not even close. This is the real Men in Black. The crazy, douchey, uh, strong-arming fiends that come out of nowhere and essentially um, wreak havoc on people who claim to have encounters with aliens. So that's where we're going to pick up next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Now, as always, if you have any... Urban legends or conspiracy theories that you think we should cover, feel free to email us at four, the number four, guys, media network at gmail.com. Please make sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, click the like and subscribe buttons on YouTube, on the Four Guys Media Network page, or check us out on SoundCloud. And thanks for listening, and we will see you the next time on the Mystery in Our History podcast. Bye. See ya.